Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your attention, please. This episode follows the regular season events of our Bill Smith, Roland Melanson, Jennings Trophy episode. If you have not yet, Please stop this episode and listen to that one first. Then come back here and experience the Islanders' fourth consecutive Stanley Cup run through the eyes of their outstanding goaltending tandem. Thanks. And now, on with the show. This is Islanders Award Winners, the podcast examining seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In this episode, we'll follow goaltender Billy Smith through the 1983 playoffs see how he won the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP, and with help from crease mate Roly Melanson, led the Islanders to Stanley Cup number four. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can find all of our podcasts, including our flagship show Islanders Anxiety and Weird Islanders the Podcast, by searching Islanders Anxiety in any podcasting app of your choice. At patreon.com slash islandersanxiety, you can subscribe monthly to receive ad-free episodes, bonus podcasts, and more. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Billy Smith, Conn Smythe Trophy, 1983. I'll be the first guy around to admit that sometimes during the year, I fall asleep. But when it comes time for the money, have I ever let them down? Billy Smith, May 1983. The Islanders' quest for a fourth straight Stanley Cup began on April 6, 1983, against the Washington Capitals. The Islanders had finished the regular season with a 42-26-12 record for 96 points, two ahead of Washington in the Patrick Division standings. For the defending champions, a second-place finish represented a disappointment, 
and was the merciful end to a tumultuous, turbulent season. Meanwhile, finishing third in the division was the best the Caps had ever performed in their nine years as an NHL franchise. The matchup was a contrast in just about every way. The three-time champs and playoff veterans versus a franchise making its first ever trip to the postseason. A team that had won 12 consecutive playoff series against a team that had never experienced even one. The Capitals' top two scorers, Dennis Marouk and Mike Gartner, combined for 69 goals. Meanwhile, Mike Bossy scored 60 goals all by himself for the third straight year. In net, the competition was even more one-sided. Billy Smith and Roly Melanson had more or less split the regular season, Smith playing 41 games and Melanson 44. Smith, who had won the Vezina Trophy as the NHL's best goaltender a season before, went 18-14-7 with a 9.06 save percentage and a 2.87 goals against average. He also finished on a roll, winning six of his last eight starts. Melanson, who had started the season as the backup, had a fabulous season, going 24-12-5 with a league-leading 9.09 save percentage and a 2.66 goals against average, which was third in the NHL, one spot ahead of Smith. Each goalie had one shutout on the season. Combined, they gave up the fewest goals on the season and won the Jennings Trophy, which you can hear all about in our previous episode. The Capitals used four goalies in 1982-83 to much more modest results. Starter Al Jensen went 22-12-6 in 40 games with an 8.82 save percentage and a 3.44 goals against average. Pat Riggin had almost identical numbers, an 8.80 save percentage and a 3.36 goals against average to go along with a 16-9-9 record. Call-ups Dave Parrow and Robbie Moore got in a couple of games too. The head-to-head matchup went one way as well. The Caps had only one win in 23 games all-time at Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders won the season series, going 4-2-1, and in the last three games against Washington, outscored them 21-6. Caps general manager David Poyle was happy that his team made the playoffs for the first time, but he knew that his players had an uphill climb ahead of them. He said prior to the series, quote, We have no tradition here. We're trying to build a tradition and the playoffs will help us. But if anyone is picking us to beat the Islanders, that would be hard to believe. The only hope for the Capitals lay in the uncharacteristically mediocre regular season the Islanders had had. After two dominating seasons, the entire NHL saw the Islanders as beatable, which gave everybody a tiny sliver of a chance. Billy Smith had a theory as to why the Islanders had stumbled so much. Quote, Enthusiasm. I think that's been our problem. We won it for three years in a row, and all of a sudden, it caught up with us. We were mentally and physically tired. But what are you going to say? I'm burned out? Lay me off? You can't do that, even though you might feel like it. I know there were times that I wanted to quit, but what do you do? You go on. All that said, playoff time was Islanders time. And Billy Smith time. He had started 17 straight playoff games and had won nine in a row, just two away from the NHL record. He also had a 60-21 playoff record with a 16-2-3 record against Washington. Smith told the New York Times, quote, I know I'm ready. I think we've all got that little extra zip you need in the playoffs. To the surprise of no one, Smith was in net for game one of the five-game series against the Caps. And of course, the Islanders won easily 5-2. Smith made 27 saves. Washington captain Rod Langway admitted that, quote, a lot of guys were nervous, and they were desperate to have at least some success at Nassau Coliseum. They managed to do that the next night with a 4-2 win in Game 2 that tied the series. Smith made 35 saves, but the loss was an embarrassing one for the Islanders. 
Caps coach Brian Murray elected to play just three defensemen for most of the game. Langway, Brian Engblom, and rookie Scott Stevens were given the assignments as Murray wanted to use his best players as much as he could. When Stevens was given a game misconduct in the second period for joining a fight between two other players, the crazy plan got even crazier. Langway and Engblom ended up playing 45 minutes each in the game. Yes, you heard that correctly. 45 minutes each. And yet the purposely undermanned Caps piled up 39 shots and outplayed the Islanders to a shocking degree. Islanders coach Al Arbor said afterward that the game was, quote, a good old-fashioned beating. With both the Islanders and Billy Smith's personal playoff winning streak stopped at 10 games, Arbor made the decision to start Roland Melanson in Game 3. It was only the third time in the last two seasons that Melanson had seen playoff action. And he would be busy, too, making 26 saves and helping the Islanders kill 11 Washington power plays en route to a 6-2 win and a 2-1 lead in the series. With a chance to clinch the series, Arbor again elected to start Melanson in Game 4. And once again, he picked up the win, making 28 saves and a 6-3 victory. The score seems lopsided, but Melanson had to make several big saves after the Caps had made it 4-3 midway through the third. Gustafson, a drive, Melanson the save, big rebound, Haworth shot it wide, a backhander, off Melanson and it rolls into the corner. Mike Bossy's hat-trick goal eventually sealed their 13th straight playoff series win and sent the Islanders on to the second round. That series win doesn't happen without Roly Melanson, who not only proved his worth in the regular season, but was now proving himself where it mattered, still at just 22 years old. Quote, It's nice. All I ever asked for was a chance. Now I think they know they have two goalies they can count on. I don't know if winning this series was the biggest thing that happened to me in my career, but I do know it's the biggest thing that happened to me this week. He could afford to joke after the purgatory that he had experienced in the previous two seasons. Melanson did have two Stanley Cup rings, but he got them mainly by watching from the bench as Smith led the Islanders through the playoffs. Quote, let's face it, in the last two years it was like hell to me. Sitting on the bench for a month and a half, going to practice, I saw my life go before me 50 times. In the second round, the Islanders would face their most bitter rivals, the New York Rangers, for the fourth time in the last five seasons. These two teams didn't need any more reasons to hate each other, but the playoffs cranked up the tension to 11. This year, the two clubs were a contrast in styles, with the freewheeling Rangers facing an uphill task against the structured Islanders. One Islander who knew how dangerous the Rangers were was Billy Smith, who said before the series, quote, I don't think people give enough credit to the Rangers. They've always had a great skating team, and now I think they're a little stronger on defense. They've got that potential to move the puck. As for who would start, no one knew but Al Arbor. Smith wasn't used to sitting during the playoffs, but he came to an understanding during the series against Washington. Quote, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to play, but if I don't play, it only means one thing, that Rowley is playing well enough for us to win the Stanley Cup. And that's okay with me. Rowley was outstanding against Washington. He deserved to be in there. It was the right decision. Sure enough, it was Smith in goal for Game 1 against the Rangers, and he made 19 saves in a 4-1 Islanders win. The home team scored three times in the third period to take a 1-0 series lead. Smith wasn't asked to do much, but he did have to come up huge on a 2-on-0 breakaway with Ron Duguay and Mike Backman while the Rangers were already up 1-0. Rangers on, and Johnson is tripped up in a breakaway for Duguay. 2-on-1. Duguay moves in, the pass to the right side, Smith makes the save. Oh my, what a stop, and then it 
chance for Mike Backman that didn't work. Smith's sprawling save was the hot topic of conversation after the game and sparked an entire column by Newsday's Steve Jacobson. Smith was quoted as saying, I tried to spread as wide as I could, play the angle as best I can, try to keep my eye on each guy. You spread as much as you can, and you hope that it hits you. Smith's determination on that save was indicative of how he felt about goaltending and his place on the Islanders. Quote, I'm petrified every game I go into. I'm afraid to be the weak link. I don't want to be the one that causes us to lose. Consider something you're afraid to lose and multiply it by five, and that's the way I am. Believe it or not, his teammates had actually noticed a slight mellowing in Batlin Billy from years past. Bob Bourne told Jacobson, quote, It used to be, on the day of the game, you couldn't go near him. Now you see him, and he'll say, hi. In Game 2, it was Dwayne Sutter's hat trick that got all the headlines following the Islanders' 5-0 win. Smith made 23 saves for his fourth playoff shutout and helped stake the Islanders to a 2-0 lead in the seven-game series. The 47 shots on goal the Islanders took were remarkable, and that they did it all without Brian Trottier, who was out with a knee injury, made it even more impressive. Rangers coach Herb Brooks said his team was unprepared and that, quote, the only thing we can do now is take a deep breath and prove to the world we're a better hockey club than we showed today. And we are. The Rangers were definitely the better team in Game 3, winning a wild one 7-6. Smith started again, but was pulled two minutes into the second, with the score 5-2 Rangers. Melanson came in and gave up goals on the first two shots he faced. Even with the score 7-2 midway through the game, Melanson made a series of saves on odd man rushes that gave the Islanders a lift. They came all the way back to make it 7-6, and only a disallowed Mike Bossy goal with eight seconds left kept it from going to overtime. Melanson took the loss, but said after the game, quote, John Tonelli came up to me when it was 7-5 and said, let's go, we need some big stops from you now. The way we came back really shows a lot of character. Both teams showed a lot of character in Game 4, but it was the Rangers who came out on top. Melanson started and played well through two and a half periods, keeping the Rangers to just a 1-0 lead. But midway through the third, he gave up two goals about two minutes apart to Mark Pavlich and Rayo Rutzelainen. Greg Gilbert finally beat Rangers goalie Ed Mio with about 90 seconds left, but the Rangers walked out of the Garden with a 3-1 win and a tied series. Herb Brooks knew what his team needed to do with its newfound momentum. Quote, We have to find a way to get a win on the island. They did not. Game 5 at Nassau Coliseum was a blowout for the home team, 7-2. Smith was back in the crease but needed to make only 18 saves in the game, and just 5 in the third period. His Islanders teammates swarmed Mio led by the Sutter-Sutter-Born line and a returning Brian Trottier. With the series on the line in Game 6 back at Madison Square Garden, the Islanders stomped the Rangers 5-2. Tied at 2 after two periods, the Islanders exploded for three goals in the third period to take the series four games to two. The victory was the Islanders' 14th consecutive playoff series win, setting a new NHL record. Smith was called upon to make 28 saves, but again Mio was under siege thanks to 44 Islanders shots. After the game, Columnist Dave Anderson wrote in the New York Times that the goalies were the big difference in the game and helped prolong the Rangers' then 43-year Stanley Cup draft. Quote, Throughout the season, the Rangers used five goaltenders, Eddie Mio, Glenn Hanlon, Steve Weeks, Steve Baker, and the ailing John Davidson, who lifted the Rangers to the 1979 Stanley Cup final, but now appears likely to retire. But if a team has to juggle five goaltenders, it really has none. In contrast, the Islanders have two, Billy Smith, at his best in the playoffs, and Roland Melanson, 
reliable, and improving. Of course, in typical Rangers style, Anderson mentioned that they were exploring the possibility of signing the great Russian goalie Vladislav Tretiak, but that never happened. Melanson may have been reliable and improving, and 10 years younger, but his two starts in the Rangers series would be his last for the 1983 playoffs. Smith would be in the driver's seat for the rest of the playoffs, beginning with the Prince of Wales Conference Final Series against the Boston Bruins. Boston had finished in first place in the league with 110 points and were in many ways a mirror image of the Islanders. They were known for combining hard work and tenacity with skill, making them capable of beating teams in a multitude of ways. On defense, the Bruins were led by veteran Brad Park and newcomer Raymond Bork, not to mention a scrappy walk-on named Mike Milburn. Up front were Barry Peterson and Rick Middleton, who scored 46 and 49 goals, respectively. In goal was Pete Peters, who led the NHL in all meaningful categories and would go on to win this season's Vezina Trophy. The Bruins were also 2-0-1 against the Islanders in the regular season. But the Islanders weren't intimidated by the big, bad Bruins. Their playoff victory over Boston three years earlier propelled them to their first of three straight Stanley Cups. And the goalie the Islanders faced in that first cup final was Pete Peters, then of the Philadelphia Flyers. In Game 1 at Boston Garden on April 26, 1983, the Islanders continued their strong play from the end of the Rangers series, building a 4-0 lead on the Bruins through two periods. Boston scored twice in the span of 17 seconds in the third, but Bob Bourne's goal with two and a half minutes left sealed the 5-2 win. With three points in the game, the speedy, shifty Bourne had become the Islanders' leading scorer in the playoffs. Game 2 just wasn't the Islanders' night as the Bruins evened the series with a 4-1 win. After the game, Bruins coach Jerry Cheevers accused Smith of slashing Rick Middleton after a whistle. Middleton, who had a goal and two assists in the game, said he didn't remember it, and Smith, who made 27 saves, was curt in his comments, calling the Islanders' performance, quote, careless. The Islanders were back at home at Nassau Coliseum for games 3 and 4. They won both in blowouts, with scores of 7-3 and 8-3. Bob Bourne said Game 3 was, quote, the worst playoff game we've ever played and still won. And everyone agreed that the Bruins were the better team. But Peters, who had been so good all season, suddenly became very leaky, allowing 15 goals in a span of two games. The Bruins goalie gave up five goals in a span of six minutes in the third period of Game 4, turning a 3-2 score into a disaster. Meanwhile, Smith made 33 and 27 saves respectively, giving the Islanders more solid goaltending even while they were scoring by the bucket load. With a 3-1 lead, the Islanders looked to lock up the series in Game 5 back in Boston. But a three-goal second period for the Bruins broke the game open and chased Smith from the net. Melanson played the third and gave up no goals, but the 5-1 win for Boston meant a Game 6 at Nassau Coliseum. Despite the off night, there was no doubt who was starting the next game. Smith had started 36 straight home playoff games and had a record of 30-6. and six. He was ready and said after the loss in Game 5, quote, Nobody on this team lets me down, and I don't let anybody down. When asked if he thought he might start, Melanson spoke for everyone when he replied, Are you kidding? With the pressure on to clinch a 15th straight playoff series and punch their ticket to a fourth straight Stanley Cup final, the Islanders reminded everyone who was boss. The answer, of course, was Mike Bossy, who scored four goals in an 8-4 win. Billy Smith only made 16 saves, but came up big in a few spots, including stoning the dangerous Rick Middleton from the goal mouth twice in the first period. Inside, Bossy was 
chance to take three sensational saves by Smith early in the hockey game. Alex Burke ahead on the right side to Peterson, back to Burke, in over the line. And it's called on the offside. Billy Smith has been the big story, along with the goal scored by Butch Goring, as Danny mentioned. The Bruins have had their chances. Rick Middleton, the big sniper for Boston in the season, had a chance right there. Smith with the save. Pearson takes away the rebound. Getting to a fourth straight Stanley Cup final was a monumental achievement for any team, especially considering the mediocre regular season the Islanders had had. Once the playoffs started, they flipped the switch into dynasty mode. Any idea that they were vulnerable had dissipated. But the Islanders still had one last hurdle to climb, and it was the team everyone wanted them to face. When we come back, we'll focus on the 1983 Stanley Cup final and how Billy Smith almost single-handedly tore the hearts out of an entire country. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Edmonton Oilers weren't lacking for confidence heading into the 1983 Stanley Cup final. Nor should they have been. They finished first in the Smythe Division with 106 points and led the entire league in scoring with a record-setting 424 goals. They had a lineup full of some of the game's youngest stars, like Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, and Paul Coffey, and of course, the hands-down best scorer in all of hockey. A then 22-year-old Wayne Gretzky led the NHL in goals with 71, assists with 125, and points with 196. Yep, 196 points in one season. Believe it or not, that was actually a step down from his previous season, in which he set NHL records with a previously unheard of 92 goals and 212 points. 
He'd already won three Hart trophies, two Art Rosses, one Lester Pearson, and was on his way to another one of each. Gretzky was a skinny, frizzy-haired force of nature no one seemed to be able to stop. He came into the 1983 Stanley Cup Final with 34 points in 12 games, on 12 goals and 22 assists. Edmonton had only lost one game in the Campbell Conference playoffs, empowering through Winnipeg, Calgary, and Chicago on their way to their first final. No offense to those other teams, but none of them were the Islanders, the three-time defending Stanley Cup champions. To the Oilers, the Islanders represented not only the team to beat, but an old regime clinging to power by its fingertips. Defenseman Kevin Lowe kept it topical for the kids, saying before the series, quote, This will be like Star Wars. It's our whole team, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, against the Empire. The Islanders represent the Empire because after winning three Stanley Cups, they're a dynasty. Oilers coach and general manager Glenn Sather had no time for movie comparisons, but he kept the theme going, saying, quote, It's the big city versus the small town guys. We're the new kids on the block and we're ready to take some of their marbles. One newspaper editorial called the defending champs, quote, the bozos from Long Island. Okay, first of all, bozos, come on. Second of all, this might be the first and only time in recorded history that the Islanders were considered, quote, the big city team against an opponent. But I digress. The Oilers weren't disrespectful or insulting to the Islanders, repeatedly complimenting their skill and strength. Even Roly Melanson, who had only seen rare duties since the first round against Washington, found an ally in Oilers goalie Grant Fuhrer, who had lost his starting job to Andy Moog throughout their playoff run and called himself the team's, quote, designated cheerleader. Quote, I can sympathize with Melanson. He did a really good job during the regular season, but Smitty's getting all the work now. He's the money goalie. But hang in there and don't get discouraged. The Oilers knew who they were facing. They just thought it was their time to rise. For their part, the Islanders were sick to death of hearing about the Oilers, and not just for the cup final. All season, they had read and seen the plaudits coming from around hockey about the exciting kids ready to take the next step. Many didn't seem to realize that the Islanders had won three games against the Oilers that season. Even after a victory at Northlands Coliseum at the end of January, the tension between the two clubs was thick. When asked if they care for Edmonton, Clark Gilley said, quote, Why should we? They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Billy Smith knew the world would be watching, telling Dave Anderson of the New York Times, quote, It's going to be good for hockey. This is what people have been waiting for. But no one could have possibly predicted what was about to happen or that Smith would perfectly play the story's compelling villain. The Islanders went into Game 1 at Edmonton without Mike Bossy, who was sick with tonsillitis. They left with a shocking 2-0 win, courtesy of Dwayne Sutter's goal five and a half minutes in, Ken Morrow's empty netter, and Billy Smith, who made 35 often spectacular saves. This is Paul Coffey. Coffey number seven for Edmonton. Trying to go around Longevin, backhander, Smith, the save, and the fans thought that somehow the puck had gone underneath Billy Smith, but he had it all the time. The fans weren't the only ones that thought that Paul Coffey scored. Paul Coffey thought that he scored. He raised his stick. Again, he went to the backhand, he came streaking down that right side, but Billy Smith is the guy that, well, he stops him again. Watch Coffey. All the way from his own end zone, he comes straight down that ice, goes to the right side, therefore he has to go to his back end. Watch Coffey stick. He thought he scored for sure, but Billy Smith, he comes up again with a big save. 
the Oilers had not been blanked in 198 games dating back to March of 1981. Previous goalie that shut them out? You guessed it, Billy Smith. Smith was quick to credit his teammates for the shutout. Quote, it was a good performance by me and a great performance by our defense. It's an all-around affair when you get a shutout. It was a wonderful Stanley Cup game, but it was hard for me to appreciate it. They were coming down so fast, I didn't have a chance to see who they were. Not even the great Gretzky could break through, even when Smith lost his mask thanks to a shot by Glenn Anderson. The Islanders played as well defensively as they ever had, with Brian Trottier effusively saying that it was, quote, immaculate. Asked after the game about Smith's performance, Islanders general manager Bill Torrey said it was, quote, one of his classics, maybe the classic. He's had a few, but it's tough not to believe this ranks at the top. In his post-game column at the New York Times, Dave Anderson said that, quote, if baseball's Reggie Jackson is Mr. October, hockey's Billy Smith is Mr. May, and perhaps this May, the Islander goaltender will finally win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Glenn Sather wasn't impressed with Smith's performance. Instead, he adamantly accused Smith of deliberately trying to injure Anderson with a slash to the knees. Quote, Everybody said Billy Smith cleaned up his act this year, but to me, he plays like a maniac, swinging his stick around. But Sather didn't stop there, also saying, quote, Right now, we're trying to handle this the legal way by making some noise. But if that doesn't work, hopefully someone on our club will take care of it. When Smith heard about Sather's comments and call for frontier justice, he literally laughed out loud. He admitted hitting Anderson with his stick, but had no time for Sather's mind games. Quote, It's the first time I've ever hit someone in the arm and had it affect his knee. I certainly don't expect his arm is attached to his kneecap. If it is, I feel sorry for him. Sather probably knew his words wouldn't rattle the Islanders. After three cups, they were made of stronger stuff than that. But what it did do was rile up Oilers fans and indeed anyone that wasn't rooting for the Islanders. The Edmonton Journal ran a headline calling Smith, quote, public enemy number one, labeled him Samurai Billy, and compared him to Jack the Ripper. The Edmonton Sun's headline said that there was, quote, an evil eye on Smith. Smith, stuck behind enemy lines between games, didn't appreciate being everyone's top target. Quote, people wonder why I don't sign autographs or have anything to do with fans because you go to a town and a guy stirs things up and people think I'm a dirty player. They're just a bunch of sheep following around what everybody says. Well, I don't have time for fools. Smith was about to make it even worse in Game 2. With the Islanders en route to a 6-3 win, Smith swung his stick at Gretzky as the great one was coming out from behind the net. As you can imagine, the Northlands Coliseum crowd didn't appreciate this. Into the Edmonton zone, Lumley getting it for the Oilers. Ahead to Anderson. He gets it into the New York zone. Morrow came clear. There's Gretzky behind the net. Trying to center. Smith knocked it away. Gretzky has it again. And then Smith cleared the stick out. Knocked Gretzky down. No penalty called. And the fans holler about that. And Gretzky comes over and has some words with Billy Smith. And they are nose to nose. Now Anderson wants a piece of Billy Smith. Well, I think right now we may see a Donnybrook because when number 99 is put in that situation, the Oilers will come to his defense, not only on this shift, but you just watch the next few shifts as you see the eyes right now of Glenn Sather, Gretzky very much upset, Anderson trying to get at Smith, but those Islanders, they'll protect their goaltender. The hit made contact with Gretzky's wrist, and after he spilled to the ice, 
the center got up and got into Smith's face. Then the Oilers and Islanders got into each other's faces. Then at least one fan tried to climb over the glass and insert himself into the fracas. At first, there was no penalty called, but after Gretzky stated his case to the refs, Smith was assessed a five-minute major for slashing. During the power play, Edmonton winger Dave Lumley tried to screen Smith and pushed his stick into him, sending the goalie into a hilarious pratfall that landed him on his pants. Lumley was then given five minutes for spearing, and the game ended in a bit of chaos. If Smith was public enemy number one going into the game, he now had the entire province of Alberta, if not all of Canada, gunning for him. Instead of trying to defuse the situation, he leaned into the heel persona and went after Lumley and the Oilers with the same gusto that Sather had given him. Smith called for Lumley to be suspended for the spear, arguing that, quote, If I didn't see him coming, then he would have cut my throat open. He just missed my throat. He tried to get it underneath my mask. If he doesn't get suspended, then they're saying it's open season. Smith laid the blame on the man calling the shots, saying, quote, It was definitely planned out. Sather sent him out. NHL officials deemed that neither Smith's slash on Gretzky nor Lumley's spear of Smith were worthy of supplemental discipline, as there was no intent to injure. Vice President of Officiating Scott Morrison reviewed all of the incidents between Games 2 and 3 in an effort to avoid further violence. Both Newsday and The Times had columns about the epidemic of slashing and spearing that was sullying an otherwise fantastic display of hockey. In Newsday, Steve Jacobson didn't hold back on the home team goalie, writing, quote, See and cheer at how Bill Smith has elevated his game to a fine art in the goal mouth for the finals as the Islanders raise themselves to a higher level in a quest for a fourth consecutive championship. But don't ask how in the world the league can permit him to swing his stick like a broadsword whenever his imperious majesty is challenged. But the shit had already hit the fan. The series everyone had been hoping for, between the three-time champs and the league's young guns, had gone full pro wrestling spectacle. The only thing missing was Glenn Sather challenging Billy Smith to a dog collar match. Despite all the noise, the Oilers had bigger problems. They were down two games to none in the cup final going back to Nassau Coliseum. All the energy Sather wasted on making Billy Smith a pariah didn't help his team on the ice. Game 3 ended 5-1 for the Islanders, giving him a 3-0 lead in the series and leaving observers scratching their heads. How could this team hold down the great Oilers that had run roughshod over the rest of the NHL? Much of the explanation lay in Billy Smith, who made 33 saves, including 13 in the second period alone, in another incredible performance. No matter what the Oilers did, hooking his arm, threats of spearing, and with the eyes of the league on him, Smith just kept getting better. Quote, I don't really care what they do. They can't hurt me. The more they talk, the harder I play. It gets me all the madder. But the Islanders also played a staunch brand of defense. In one sequence, Mike Bossy swept the puck away to prevent a Yari Curry shot, Ken Morrow blocked a follow-up shot, and Bossy and Anders Kaller were sprung on an odd man rush. The play resulted in the first goal of the game and was indicative of how the series had gone for Edmonton. The Islanders held down the fort, waited for an opportunity, and struck. Sather was scrambling for ideas on how to get his team into a series that was now all but lost. After an off-day practice, Slats was still targeting Smith, even though he knew the Islanders' goalie had been the difference in the series. Sather said of Smith, quote, He hasn't shown us anything in particular, except he stopped everything we've thrown at him. We haven't been able to get any breaks, but the Wheel of Fortune will turn for us Tuesday night. The Wheel of Fortune did turn on May 17, 1983, but it rolled right over Glenn Sather and the Edmonton Oilers. 
20 seconds to play. 20 seconds from Stanley Cup number four for these New York Islanders. They said they were lethargic midway through the season. Some people said they would turn it on, and they apparently have. Here's Gretzky. Last word for Gretzky and Billy Smith. It's over. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. And in the middle of that pack, Bob, Billy Smith, the 1983 Don Smythe Trophy winner, the most valuable player in the playoffs. The Islanders took a 3-0 lead in the first period and held the Oilers to just a pair as they locked down a 4-2 win and claimed their fourth straight Stanley Cup in a shocking sweep. They became just the third team in NHL history to win four cups in a row and the first American-based team to do so. The series everyone wanted had turned into a one-sided beatdown. The Islanders simply crushed the Oilers defensively, holding the highest-scoring team in NHL history to just seven goals in four games. Wayne Gretzky's nearly 200 regular season points and 30-plus playoff points meant nothing in the Cup Final, as he was held to just four assists in the entire series. The Islanders' strategy of covering his wingers and taking away his options worked like a charm and forced the center out of his comfort zone. And even when Gretzky did get free, there was Smith to gobble up whatever shots he took. Game 4 was the cherry on top of Smith's perfect Sunday, and in a few ways, might have been the most Billy Smith game ever. He made 24 saves, and aside from allowing goals at the very beginning and end of the second period, was spectacular again. He also goaded Glenn Anderson into taking an undisciplined slashing penalty in the third period by taking a wild dive that absolutely incensed Sather. The Oilers coach said after the game, quote, he'll probably be up for an Oscar after that. But Sather's childish jabs were meaningless once that final buzzer rang out and the Islanders were champions again. As per tradition, Smith eschewed the postgame on-ice handshake, but he and Gretzky did share a brief shake in the hallway outside the Islanders' locker room later. Sather, however, snubbed Smith on his way to the interview room. Billy Smith was the easy choice for Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoffs' most valuable player. Brian Trottier said what a few of his teammates did in that, quote, Smitty could have won it in the last three or four years. Ken Morrow called Smith, quote, by far the biggest reason we won. Smith was quick to praise his guys as well. Quote, it's an honor I'll cherish all my life. There were three or four other guys who deserved it. But that was only the beginning of Smith's post-cup comments. He used the presentation of the con Smythe by NHL President John Siegler as an opportunity to torch the Oilers and their captain as a bunch of flopping frauds in a clip that has been burned into Islanders fan memories for four decades. Okay, let's now go to the Con Smythe Trophy winner, Billy Smith, who's with I Dave Hodge. Give us credit. It's always a pleasure to reward excellence and a pleasure to introduce the president of the National Hockey League, John Ziegler, who will present the 1983 Con Trophy to Billy Smith of the Islanders. David, you know, in a series that really featured superstars, it's very tough to excel in that com- competition. But there was no question as to Billy Smith. And I think from the beginning to the end, Bill, we were very proud of you for hockey. The excellence you showed, you led your team. We're very proud to present you the Consumite Trophy. You really deserved it. And I know it's a team award. But you really led this team to this victory against an excellent hockey team, the Edmonton Oilers. Thank you very much. And all I got to say is there's 
Probably a lot of people back in Canada will be turning over in their bed with me winning this tonight. Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I didn't... You... To me, the... It was the dream matchup, Dave, as we... Everybody called it. Shorter and dream I, than a lot of us thought. Well, it, of course. And I think the reason that it was shorter than anybody thought was this fellow right here, and that's why he deserved the trophy. Okay, John, and I know... He took the game away from me. I know you'd like to uh, congratulate uh, the other members of the Islanders. Oh. I want to just ask a couple of... Uh, questions of of billy smith you mentioned you related to the controversy that uh, you seem to cause uh tell us about the major penalty to anderson well i did the same thing that um gretzky did to me to draw five penalties out when i hit gretzky in edmonton he rolled around and cried like he was dying so when he hit me tonight i said hey i may just well do the same thing so that's what i did i threw myself on my back and i squirmed incidentally he got five minutes so all I want to tell the people in Canada and all over the world, who can play that game? After game three, I asked you who, who you thought should win this. You named Bob Bourne, you named a few others, but those of us who uh, are close to this trophy uh, suspected you'd be here to be well, to be the winner. Uh... I'm very pleased to win it, and, and let's face it, I did want to win it, but I also wanted to bring attention to other teammates on my team that I thought excelled when they were needed. Like when Brian Truddy was out, nobody carried this team more than Bobby Bourne. Uh, penalty killing, Butchie Goring, Billy Carl. You know, they, they're on our specialty teams, and people don't give them the credit for what they really do out there, and, and that's what upsets a guy like me. Well, John, proof of the team aspect uh, related to the Islanders is that they won four Stanley Cups, and there are four separate winners in the last four years of this trophy. Our thanks to you, John, and uh, congratulations to Billy Smith, and we'll have plenty more celebrating to do in the Islander dressing room as our Stanley Cup playoff coverage on CBC continues in a moment. In watching or just even listening to the clip, you can hear the emotion in Smith's voice as he talks about how much his teammates did in winning the 82-83 Stanley Cup. Behind the slashes and combativeness and the barbed words is a proud man who absolutely hates, maybe even fears, losing. Smith has a lot of feelings to process about himself, his team, and the people that have disrespected or discounted them despite their historic run of excellence. He can barely get the words out, and you could almost see his brain churning over what to do or say first. After the CBC interview, Smith kept going, taking referee Andy Van Helleman down too. Quote, Van Helleman threatened me. He told me if I took a dive again, he wouldn't call it again. But Gretzky takes a dive and they give it to him. They let one guy put on a show and cry like a baby. Why not take a dive? Smith saved his sharpest comments for the media members that had helped make him a marked man. Printing Sather's diatribes turned much of the public against Smith, and it wasn't something the goalie was going to forget anytime soon. Quote, it was the toughest of all because of all the aggravation and the cheap shots the press were taking at me because of the incidents in Edmonton. It was very mentally straining because I didn't think I deserved it. I just asked for a little common sense. It's okay to write what someone like Sather says, but at the end of it, you reporters have got to write what you see too. How many of you did that? Not too damn many, were you? And that hurt. If you think I'm bitter, yeah, I'm pretty damn bitter. The championship was extra cathartic for the Islanders considering the insanely erratic season they had. A Newsday breakdown of the season featured a cartoon of the team's logo on a roller coaster track on the way to the Cup. That was all you needed to know. Even Al Arbor, the legendarily stoic coach, let his emotions out afterwards saying, quote, We had our ups and downs. We had to fight through a lot of problems. We had injuries. We didn't play well. We lost confidence. But I never lost faith in these guys. I love them too much. Roly Melanson so valuable throughout the regular season and into the first round of the playoffs, had become a bit of a forgotten man through no fault of his own. Of course, he celebrated his third straight Stanley Cup with the rest of his teammates 
and was seen giggling in the locker room with everyone else. Ultimately, he couldn't help being satisfied by how the season ended, even if he once again spent a lot of playoff games on the bench. Quote, I'm happy for the team, for Smitty, and for myself. Let's face it, it's $20,000 in your pocket and a ring on your finger. The season was too long and too hard to feel anything bad towards a teammate. When a goalie is on a run like Billy Smith was, you know he's not losing his position unless absolutely necessary. But there were already questions about which way the Islanders would go with their three outstanding goalies. Kelly Rudy was the youngest, chapping at the bit to get a shot at the big leagues after winning a second consecutive championship in the minors. Melanson, just a year older than Rudy, had clearly learned to take things one day at a time. Quote, I laugh at some of the things people say, like who'll be traded. I'm just going to go out next season and do the best job I can. I'm not going to worry about Billy Smith or Kelly Rudy. I'm going to worry about myself. A few weeks after winning the Cup, Melanson was named a second-team All-Star, joining Mike Bossy as the only Islanders on the postseason list. He also finished second in Vezina Trophy voting, far behind runaway winner Pete Peters. Still, not bad for the, quote, backup. Billy Smith, the previous year's Vezina winner, finished fourth in the 82-83 voting. Smith was his usual candid self when asked what he thought the future would hold. At a Park Avenue luncheon in which he posed with the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe, and the new Trans Am he won for being named Sport Magazine's playoff MVP, Smith told reporters, quote, I know for a fact there's no way they'll trade me now. I've won four cups, and it would be foolishness. Suppose they lost it after trading me. Everybody would jump on their backs for getting rid of me. I've got four or five years left, and then I'm quitting. He also had a little more vitriol left for the people of Edmonton, saying, quote, I couldn't walk the streets in Edmonton for fear of being confronted. I thought Canadians, including myself, had more class than that. The majority of Canadians were for the Oilers, and I'm glad they're disappointed. He also, along with the rest of the Islanders, met President Ronald Reagan at the White House Rose Garden, where they paraphrased the commander-in-chief by joking that, quote, the puck stops here. Billy Smith's playoff run is the stuff of legend, and he earned every bit of that consummate trophy and the braggadocio that came with it. Stanley Cup number 4 cemented his status as, quote, the best money goalie of all time. But the Islanders wouldn't have made it through without Roland Melanson's steady hand in what would be the best season of his career. Smith and Melanson were the tandem again next season, with Kelly Rudy finally getting in some regular season NHL games. In November of 1984, Bill Torrey finally made his long-awaited decision and traded Melanson to Minnesota for a first-round pick that was turned into forward Brad Delgarno. Rudy was effectively the start of that season, with Smith as the backup, and would keep that position until his trade to Los Angeles in 1989. Billy Smith was the fourth different Islander to take home the Conn Smythe Trophy during the team's championship run. In the 1979-80 playoffs, center Brian Trottier led all players with 12 goals and 29 points as the Islanders beat the Kings, Sabres, Bruins, and Flyers for their first Stanley Cup. A year later, center Butch Goring won the Conn Smythe after scoring 10 goals and 10 assists in the playoffs including five goals and two assists in a five-game final against Minnesota. During Cup run number three, Mike Bossy scored 17 goals in 19 postseason games. In the final against Vancouver, Bossy lit the lamp a ridiculous seven times in a four-game sweep. Truth be told, Bossy scored 17 goals in three straight postseasons and probably could have won the Conn Smythe in any of them, the same way Smith could have. Bob Bourne and Dennis Potvin also had postseasons that would have been Conn Smythe worthy had they played for any other team. The Dynasty Islanders were blessed with talent beyond belief. Even looking back now, it's incredible that this collection of players were once on the same team and accomplished so many wonderful achievements. 
and that they were Long Island's team. Let's never forget that. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracen. Special thanks to Kevin Schultz. Visit Kevin's shop at VintageIceHockey.com where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. VintageIceHockey.com also has our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Be sure to visit LighthouseHockey.com every day and subscribe to Islanders Anxiety Podcasts. Sign up at Patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for even more. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. To learn more, log on to FansFirstSports.com.